I'm going to introduce our guest speaker, but I'm not going to bring him up quite yet because we're going to turn you uh, to your sections one more time to do our discussion questions before Ron comes up. Uh, but Ron Sanderson is our guest speaker today. I'm really excited to have him speak. I had the chance to uh, meet Ron via my podcast, and uh, Ron has uh, an, he has a ministry to the church regarding autism. Ron has autism, and he has a powerful testimony that he's going to share with us today, and also a powerful message uh, to us as a church of what does it look like for us to be a church that's inclusive to all people. And so just really excited about Ron and his ministry and to have him here uh, preaching today. So um, when uh, we're done with our discussion time, uh, make sure we give Ron a, a warm welcome. He does have some books that are going to be for sale afterwards. So Ron is a, a very well-established author. All of his books are published with major publishers, and he just has a really impactful ministry. So he is going to be in the back corner by the door with books for sale on your way out. Uh, they are, I believe, $10. Did I see that sign? $10 a book. Uh, it's cash or check. And if um, you'd like a book and you don't have $10, uh, just come talk to me and I'll make sure that uh, you get a book. So uh, with that, we're going to turn you over to your discussion groups uh, right now. So a couple things um, to talk about. We'll give you five or six minutes. Do you know someone with autism? How can churches and employers be more inclusive towards people with autism and disabilities. And if you have time, if you need extra time, uh, why should inclusion be important to churches? So uh, group leaders, take it away. And then uh, after that, we will welcome Ron. Thanks so much for having me come to speak today on my amazing journey of autism. I always do my info commercial first. And I got two nationally published books I brought today. I have three traditionally published books total. And the one I brought is my first book, A Parent's Guide to Autism, Practical Advice, Biblical Wisdom. And this was one of the top selling Christian books on parenting all time. Charisma House published it out of Florida. And while writing the book, I interviewed 50 of the most influential people working the autism field, people like Temple Grandin, Dr. Lynn Coiney, the founder of UCLA Autism Center, and I share their insight into parenting a child with autism. And the great thing about a book on autism right now is one in every 44 children is diagnosed with autism, so it gives me a chance to be able to share the gospel in places where most people can't go. I go to public schools, and right now they say they took prayer out of school, they take God out of school, they didn't take a minister with autism out of school. And since my special interest is the scriptures, and I have 15,000 memorized, Rain Man. The consult for the movie was a world-renowned expert on autism named Dr. Trefford. And he lived 88 years old. And one of the final projects he did was writing the foreword for my third book. And he died December 14th. And he died right after watching his Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit Lions of all things. And I've been able to speak in Wisconsin at his center, and he wrote the foreword for my third book, Views from the Spectrum. While writing this book, I interviewed 20 of the most amazing people on the autism spectrum and share their stories. Armani Williams, right out of Gross Points, who's a NASCAR driver. Tarko, a pro baseball player for the Kansas City Royals organization. And Rachel Barcelona, who is Miss Tampa, and many other amazing people. I always share my story in there. I have scriptures in there. 
parenting advice. So these are two great books. And how many people like Applebee's? Applebee's used to have two for 20 until you done did it this time. So I still have my two for 20 or $10 a book deal. And thanks so much. I'm going to share now my amazing journey with autism and neurodiversity and how God has used it for his glory and used my faith having autism and all the struggles I've had to go through. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 84, 11 through 12, out of the 15,000 verses I have memorized, word perfect. And it says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The reason this verse is so important to me is because I have autism, and sometimes it seems like people with disabilities, they've been overlooked in life. In fact, my grandpa, the year before, a couple years before he died, he never got to see me become a nationally published author. He said this to my mom, and I was in my 30s at the time, said, the world has sometimes overlooked certain people like Ron, and he never got to see the success I have. He never got to see me publish my books. My grandma and grandpa were famous mystery writer, murder mystery writers, and my grandma was on Good Morning America, and Regis referred to her to homicide grandma. That's a pretty scary situation if you're a kid growing up. And once I got my books published, something interesting started to happen. They did these murder mysteries all over Michigan. I, I got to speak at Dearborn Inn. I got to speak at Frank moved to large crowds, and my mom said this to me. She goes, only if grandpa could see the world didn't overlook you, God's timing just didn't happen. And um, I got to speak at many of the places where they did their plays and actually have larger audience than the ones my grandparents had when they did their murder mystery. So this verse means a lot to me because a lot of times with autism, it seems like God's overlooked us or he's withheld something good. In fact, I had to have the first major Americans with Disabilities case for autism to be able to compete my senior year of high school, which I'm going to share in my, pre, in my message. And um, God's de delays don't mean God's denials, and that's what I've learned in life. In fact, only 3% of people with autism are gainfully employed. Uh, people who have, are Christians who have a kid on the spectrum only 5% continually attend church regularly after having a child with autism. So sometimes it seems like God's overlooked us. And my journey with autism began kind of typical. My development began normal. In nine months, I said my first word, mommy. And what I like to share is I said my first word, mommy, the day I was being baptized, and any child who thinks they're being drowned is going to cry out, Mommy, Mommy. <laughs> then I went through a time of regression at 18 months, and 20% of all children you meet with autism or adults went through this time of regression. I went from being able to say Mommy to only Mom, Mom, Mom. And I went from having perfect eye contact to no eye contact. And my mom knew there was something drastically different between my brother Chuck and my brother Steve. And um, she took me immediately to a pediatrician. And the pediatrician said this, men are like fine wine, you got to give them time. And that's good advice for a woman who's dating or with a child with cognitive development disorder or delays. 
that's a worse advice. Immediate treatment is the best option to help those skills develop. And, and men are like fine wine, they develop slowly, but women are like flowers, they blossom quickly. So my mom knew she had to act quickly. She immediately got me in intense speech therapy. I was in intense speech therapy all the way from age um, seven, or all the way from age two, I mean, all the way to age 16. And my speech was so developmentally delayed that at age seven, my brother Chuck would introduce me to people saying, you need to meet my brother Ron, I think he's from Norway. He'd have me talk, no one knew what I was saying, so he became an expert on Norwegian languages. When I was seven years old, I entered kindergarten, and my ability to interact with kids was so delayed, and um, I didn't have those skills with learning able to read very quickly, so school experts wanted to label me emotionally impaired. My mom said, it's not emotional, it's neurological. And if you can't tell me what's going on in my son's head, I'll take him, get him diagnosed, and come back to you. I went to Henry Ford at age seven, the hospital, and Dr. Delgado diagnosed me after three days working just with me as autistic. And when I was diagnosed with autism in 1982, only one in every 10,000 children were diagnosed with autism in the U.S. Now it's one in every 44 children. And my mom went back to school experts and said, my son has autism. The first thing they said is if he has autism, he'll never read beyond a seventh grade level, never attend college, never have meaningful relationships, and never excel in sports. And my mom, being a great mom, quit her job as an art teacher and became a full-time Ron teacher. And working with me using art, which I'm going to share throughout my presentation, I was able to graduate from Oral Roberts University with a Master of Divinity and a perfect 4.0. I was only out of 100 graduates, one of three graduates with the yellow ribbon walking down the graduate. I was able to get married, and I got married a decade ago on December 7th. For you history buffs, that's the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, and having autism, I came in like a kamikaze, a whirlwind of fire, not only with my preaching and speaking, but also with meeting the in-laws. And then on this March, 2016, or March 20th, 2016, my daughter, Michaela Marie, was born. There's her in Holland, Michigan. She'll be seven years old this year. And my mom believed in autism refined, not cured. I can't cough on you today and you get the autism flu, but autism can be refined. She was inspired by Proverbs 22:29. Do you see a man skilled in his labor? He has served before kings and not obscure men. And Daniel 6.3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the leadership of his day that the king planned to set him over his whole kingdom because of his exceptional skills and gifts. My mom knew I had amazing gifts, and she knew that if she could refine those gifts, I'd be able to do amazing things. First, I'm going to talk about autism unrefined. Autism unrefined looks like this. You're walking on the hot black pavement. You're going to Lake Michigan. And as you're walking in your bare feet on that black pavement, you feel something sharp. You go down, you pick it up. It's a piece of glass that someone was having Miller time. Now you're having Technus shot time. It's jagged. It's sharp. Autism unrefined for me was little ability to control my emotions. I didn't go from 
one, two, three. I went one to 60. I'd go off very quickly. Autism unrefined for me was little ability to filter what I'd say. I was like Trump on Twitter. Thank God they didn't have back then Twitter because I can deny I ever said those things. Autism unrefined for me made me more like Mountain Dew than bottled water. Bottled water gets shaken up, nothing's happening. I get shaken up, kaboom. Anyone want to do the do? And my favorite autism unrefined moment happened in 1996. I was working at a car wash while going to college at a local college before I transferred to Oral Roberts University. And as I'm driving to work, they announced on 97 won the ticket. Today, Wayne Fonts was fired. He had one of the best offensive teams all time with Barry Sanders, Herman Moore, and Scott Mitchell's at the helm. And they didn't make the playoffs. As I'm drying off cars, who should show up there with a Cuban cigar in his mouth and a white Jaguar, but Wayne himself. As I'm drying off his car, I notice something interesting. All the young adults who work at the car wash, they have paper and pen to get his autograph. I go in the back, I kid you not, he looked like this when I handed him paperwork. Son, is that what I think it is? I said, yes, Wayne, that's a job application. Announced today on 97 on the ticket, you lost your job and you were kicked to the curb by Marfa. Marfa Ford, that is. You're not Ford tough. You see that fly there? I can teach you some defense if you work here and then teamwork and you'll be back out there coaching. Needless to say, Wayne drove off and he had nothing to say. For once, Autumn made the most spoken coach for the Lions all time speechless. He didn't know what to say to that. But autism refined looks different. You're off that hot black pavement. You're walking along Lake Michigan to go in the water. And all of a sudden, feels good. Dun, dun. I knew that it would. So good, so good. I got it made. Dun, dun, dun. It's a piece of glass, only it was refined by something greater than itself. It was refined by Lake Michigan. It was refined by the grace of God. It was refined by... ABA therapy, it was refined by speech therapy, occupational therapy, learning social skills. Now, a piece of glass, you don't throw out being afraid you're going to get cut. You put it on your neck as jewelry. You put it on a wall as art. And that's what my mom was determined to do, is teach me those skills. When I entered kindergarten, they had a two-teacher rule for special ed. It was very archaic back then. You had one teacher in the front of the room, make sure you didn't go out the front door, and one in the back of the room to make sure you didn't make a back exit. And my mom said, you're not teaching these kids, you're babysitting them. And the best my son's going to be if he is babysat is bagging groceries. The best he's ever going to be is washing dishes. But he has these amazing gifts for memory, amazing abilities. And I'm going to refine those gifts, enable him to serve before kings and not obscure men. And she worked with me using the gifts that I had. And in the 80s, most people had He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. I have the power. Or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, turtles in a half shell. What makes autism unique is we have special interests that are very limited a lot of times and unusual. Parts of toys rather than the whole toys. We'll line up our Matspax cars. My special interest was a prairie dog named Prairie Pup. If you look at the picture back there, 
right up here. Notice he has his full head of fur in the picture. So if anyone wants to donate into his ministry, Rogaine would be perfect for him. Now he's also the oldest prairie dog recorded in, in history. So don't give him Viagra because at 40 years old, this little sucker may have a heart attack right in front of you. So my mom used Prairie Pup to teach me social skills. One girl made him a jean jacket. One made him a cowboy outfit. And by doing that, I interacted with other children and was able to share. And Prairie Pups met many amazing celebrities during the years. In 2002, he met Muhammad Ali in Washington, D.C. In 2012, he met Screech from Saved by the Bill, the most interesting place that Prairie Pup has ever been. Anyone ever see Revenge of the Nerds, Booger, Kurt Armstrong? Well, I introduced Prairie Pup to him when I met him, and he said, I'll, I said, can you put your finger up your nose and take a picture with Prairie Pup? He said, I'll take it to the next level. So Prairie Pup's been up the nose of Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. And my mom noticed that I had great ability in art, but very little ability with communication, little communication, and being able to write and do other skills a lot of people take for granted. When I'd write my name as a child, I'd write it backwards. So I had dyslexia. I also got dysgraphia, a bad handwriting, so I can pass for any doctor in the Grand Rapids area for their signature. But she noticed I had great ability with art and drawing. She had me draw pictures like these. I drew all these pictures when I was five years old. Anyone ever hear of Temple Grandin, the most famous person in the world with autism? I'm in a documentary film, Fierce Love and Art, that's narrated by her and um, shares my story of art and produced by Dr. Lawrence A. Becker. And she had me write down the stories that or I'd um, dictate stories to her. She'd write them down, and then she'd have me rewrite the stories from her writing. And these are the pictures I made when I was five years old. And with two years, I went from dyslexia no dyslexia. And the way she knew how to do this is she prayed. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And she prayed that the Holy Spirit would show her how I learned. One of the other things she did is she had this thing called Cheddar to Squirrel, and she'd send me in the mail letters from Cheddar, and each one would have some social skill I need to learn. And by using art, I was able to learn. And what's interesting is that there was no real sources for autism back then in the 80s. There was one book called The Fortress that said that if your kid has autism, you're a refrigerator mom. And that's good for the Chicago Bears who had the refrigerator, William Perry. That's not good advice for a parent raising a kid with autism. And only years later would they discover that 80% of people with autism learn visually rather than audibly audible learning. The biggest um, scam in America history wasn't Enron. It was hooked on phonics for a kid with autism because we can't learn phonetically. And my mom didn't know that, but God's all-knowing. John 21, 17 says, Lord, you know 
all things. And the Holy Spirit knew that how to teach me and show my mom how for me to learn. And when I was in third grade, they used to have this commercial with Isaiah Thomas for Detroit Edison. And it was this. It was Isaiah Thomas with a little kid, and Isaiah would be like, look up. And the kid's like, I don't see anything. He goes, good, there's no electrical wires. So when I was in third grade, my teacher, knowing that I had a great art ability, had me enter the Detroit Edison poster contest. And what my poster showed was it showed Prairie Pup with a hard hat on and plans for building a fort. And he's building a fort near electrical wires, and there's a squirrel with a hammer about to hit a transmitter. And it says, look up. You don't want to become a furry fried friend. And my artwork won first prize. I got to meet Isaiah Thomas, and that was the first celebrity that Prairie Pup got to meet. I still have, many times, autistic moments throughout the years. I remember the first time I asked a girl out on a date, I was like, how would you like to, and she said this, how so come you sound like a transformer? There's very little inflection in your voice. So I thought I'd be cute. I said, I'm more than meets the eyes. And I still didn't get a date with that girl. And some of the things you're going to recognize when you meet people with autism is repetitive behavior, unusual special interests. A lot of time their voice has very little inflection in it. They may have difficulty with eye contact. And a lot of times those social skills are very awkward. And that could be a sign that you're meeting someone on the autism spectrum. You're also going to notice sensory issues. And there's two main common misconceptions of autism. You got the Forrest Gump. Life's like a box of chocolates. Mommy didn't think I was going to come out of those loins. A person who can tell you their whole life story in about three hours while sitting on a park bench and not filtering anything. The second view is Rain Man. The word autism means or autonomous, which comes from the word self in Greek. It's someone who's self-absorbed. So a lot of times people, when they meet me, they think I'm like Rain Man. I got some savant ability. Even though I got a great memory ability, I'm not a savant. Or they may think I'm Asperger's. They'll say you're high-functioning. You must be Asperger's like in that movie. Well, my experience with autism wasn't like Rain Man. It wasn't like Forrest Gump. It was more like Sally the Seal. Here's the story of Sally the Seal. In 1989, Exxonville Des hired a drunken captain named Joseph. In fact, we just came up on his death about six months ago. And Joseph had a few too many drinks, and he's got an oil tanker with 54 million gallons of crude oil. As you can tell, this isn't going to be a good ending. And he hits the reef, and 11 million gallons of crude oil cover the whole coastline. So over the next six months, Exxon Valdez spends $2 billion cleaning up the coastline. And when they clean it up, they realize they forgot one key ingredient, the animal life that was victimized by the oil spill. And they don't want to spend another $2 billion cleaning up all the wildlife. So they invite many companies and, and nonprofits to raise money. They invited the World Wrestling, or they invited the World Wildlife Federation to get money. And what they did is this: they picked one lucky seal and they named her 
Sally the seal. And they got her all cleaned up, spent $10,000. They invited famous dignitaries like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He said, Sally the seal will be back. And then came the big day when she was being swept back in the sea from a little water slide. And out of nowhere, there came a killer whale. And Sally the seal, she became Sally the meal. And my experience with autism was more like Sally the meal. I got torn up, eaten up, spit up. I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I was a very fast runner. And a kid stole a tarantula from one of the schools where we were running and put it in a Ziploc bag. And then her kid dared me to take a shot put and brew up some tarantula stew. First, I wasn't going to do it, but then he double dog dared me. So I stirred up some tarantula stew and that killer whale boy gave me a black eye when he discovered I destroyed his prize. And a lot of times with autism, we feel like Sally the Seal, we may be bullied. And if you have a kid with autism and he has a buddy in your church system, a buddy in school, bullying goes down 90% when they see that other person, they're a lot less likely to hurt that kid. In autism, as I mentioned, there's a lot of sensory issues. Um, kids will respond to light. Um, kids will respond to certain smells, and they may have a meltdown and lose complete control. A meltdown is different than a tantrum. A tantrum is I want it, and I want it now. A meltdown is caused by the environment being so overwhelming, the kid can't control himself. He loses all control of his ability to control himself. And my favorite meltdown happened when I was in fourth grade. They were having a Cub Scout event with over 200 Families and children, they had a clown with eh, eh, red nose, red hair, and white makeup. And my mom thought it'd be wise for me to be front and center for the event. And the clown knew nothing about autism, but very quickly he was about to become an expert on the autism language. He thought it'd be funny to take the hat off my head, put it on this other kid's head with a lamb puppet. He got it off my head, put it on the other head, and he's about to put it back on, and with one swoop, I had that lamb puppet. And I proceeded to beat the living snot out of that clown in front of 200 people. The red nose went on the floor. The makeup came off. The hair was on the floor. And I went flying out of there. I never became a bobcat. I should have been part of the wolf pack, but I never became a wolf. In fact, I flew like an eagle. But all I got was the next day, the parents met together and they said, if your kid would do that to a clown, imagine what he'd do to one of our kids if he ever lost his temper. And I got officially kicked out of the Cub Scouts of America. I'm still waiting. I hear all these commercials. Were you abused by a Cub Scout leader? Call this number. I haven't heard one. Were you kicked out of Cub Scouts because of autism? There might be some monetary gain waiting for you. So I'm not going to wait too long by my phone. They needed a new badge for me, Cub Scouts, you got the wolf, the honey badger. Honey badger doesn't give a, if anyone's ever seen the, the video, you know exactly what I'm saying. Pastor Noel will give you, no one will give you time to repent afterwards if you watch that video. So my first honey badger, I actually got on my honeymoon in the Windy City. He growled at me, I growled back, it was love at first sight. But what I didn't realize about that one was when you press his paw, every F-bomb in the book would come spewing out. So I 
don't bring him. I don't want you to think I'm having a live demonstration of one of these meltdowns I've been talking about. So I went to Amazon, and I got a declawed honey badger for my presentations. And beginning my junior year, my life was on the right track. I gave my life to Jesus Christ, made him Lord and Savior of my life. I gave up swearing. I gave up smoking. I did that every once in a while to fit in because having autism, I felt awkward, and I wanted to fit in. In my junior year, my relay team finished 12th in the state of Michigan. And on the way back from the state finals, our anchor, Nate, said this, next year we'll be the fastest relay team in the state of Michigan, but whenever there's a but, you negate the first half of the statement. But we won't have Ron on our relay team. And the reason he said that is I was held back in kindergarten, so I was three months past the age limit to compete in high school sports on the MHSAA. And right then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'll provide a way for you to compete on the track team. No good thing why I withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And our walk is blameless not because of us, because of what Jesus did for us. He died on the, sin, on the cross, took up our sins. And right then I said, I'm going to run on the track team. And my coach said, during the last 20 years, no one has run past the, the um, age limit. My mom, being a great advocate, started calling all the lawyers. She called the Bernsteins. They said, we can't see this case. She called Mike. He said, I can't win this case. She called Lee. He said, it wouldn't be fit free. She called Figer. Figer said, I'm having a few drinks on the highway. When I get back, I'll call you back. And his ACDC said, he's on a highway. But all punts put aside, every lawyer said the exact same thing. It would be over $40,000 for a lawsuit against the MHA, which my parents couldn't afford. And my parents said this advice, being strong Christians, you got to give it into God's hands. Psalms 25.3 says, no one who's hoping you will ever be put to shame. God has a plan for you, and he will provide a way for you to run. And I get back from a five-mile run right when the season was about to begin. And there on the front page of Detroit Free Press was a young man named Craig Stannon. He was born May 1975, same month, same year as me. He was a track and cross-country runner, just as I was, and he had a learning disability, but not autism, and they told him they wouldn't let him compete. So my mom immediately called the Stanley's family. We got together. My first words out of my mouth is, me and Craig are going to compete on the track team. God showed me. I don't know how it's going to happen. And my mom said, let's contact Detroit Free Press and tell them now there's two young men whose civil rights are being violated. That Wednesday after I met them, I was on the front page of Detroit Free Press with a picture of Stan or Craig, who was the other young adult who couldn't run on the track team, and it announced that there's two people whose civil rights are being violated. That Sunday, I was getting water baptized to show my commitment to following Christ. And when I came out of the water that Sunday, the pastor looked at me and said, I normally don't have a word from God, but I know I saw something when you came out of that water. It was Joel 2.25. I repay the years that the locusts have eaten, the great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, the great locusts swarm, my great army sent among you. So there was an army of something in your life that ate away from you, and God said he's going to repay it beginning now. So I get home, and we had something archaic back then. It's called an answering machine. It was about this big by this high, and it's blinking red. Thank God we didn't have to use our feet 
to drive home like the Flintstones, but it was still archaic during that time. And I pressed the button, and up came the time that the call came. And it was exactly 9 a.m., the exact time I came out of the water at the church. And it began this way. Hi, my name's Rick Landel. I'm a young attorney. I just got my PhD from Boston College. I got my law degree from the University of Michigan, and I want to take your case pro bono. All I need is your signature. So when God calls someone to do something, he has a whole group who's armed and dangerous waiting for him, like that attorney Rick Landel. He took my case. We ended up running the second fastest time in the state of Michigan for the 3200 relay. I got full ride to what is now Rochester University. And from then, I got a good um, academic scholarship to Oral Roberts University where I finished my undergrad and went on to get my master's degree. But the story doesn't end there. Remember how I began my um, message sharing about my books? What did I say? Remember I said when I wrote A Parent's Guide to Autism, I wrote, interviewed 50 of the top experts who work in the world in the autism field. And when I interviewed a man named Gary Marison, and who's a top lawyer for people with disabilities of autism, he said this to me. He said, I know who you are, Ron, and I'm going to tell you how you're going to end your main presentations that you give around the country, and I'm going to tell you also how you're going to end your book. And it said, you're going to end it sharing the story of Anthony Stagirl. I'm probably saying his last name wrong. But the reason Gary Marison is so well known is anyone ever hear of applied behavioral analysis, ABA therapy? It's the number one therapy in the world for autism. And Gary Marison was a lawyer. He had two kids with autism. And the insurance company said, we're not going to cover your kids' insurance for ABA therapy. And being a well-known lawyer, he said, you don't have to cover my kids' insurance. You're going to cover everyone in the United States' kids' insurance for ABA therapy. And he did 14 huge case, landmark cases in the Supreme Court and made ABA a household name. And my daughter just came in here. So here's the story of Anthony. Ray and Ray Ann, it's kind of like Raggedy Ann and Andy, they were unable to have kids. And they were very evangelical Christians and believed that with God, all things are possible. So they decided, Ray and his wife, when they couldn't have kids, we're going to adopt a special needs kid to show that with love, acceptance, anything is possible. So they go to the foster home, and there's little Anthony going like this on a couch. And not knowing anything about autism or stemming, they take it as Anthony wants to sit down. They sit down, they fall in love with Anthony, and they go to the foster care manager and said, we're going to adopt Anthony. They said, we never thought anyone would adopt Anthony. He um, has an IQ of 50. The average IQ is 100. He has a lot of sensory issues, meltdowns, and digestive issues. And they said, we know God's called us to adopt him. So they adopt him. And Ray's a huge football fan, huge sports fan, and he loves rudder sports because this is New Jersey. So he tries soccer. Little Anthony is walking around with his head down, not really paying any attention. Tries baseball, whack, walk like an Egyptian. And he's getting hit in the outfield, and he's, there's angels in the outfield, thank God, to help him out when he gets injured out there. But he's just totally disconnected from 
the, the sports realm. And then finally, when Anthony's 12 years old, his dad takes him to Rudder's football game. And Rudder's is playing LSU. If LSU wins, they could be national champs. If they lose to Rudder's, which is a bad program at the time, it's not part of Big Ten back then, they're not going anywhere. And Rudder's finds themselves in a tied situation with three seconds left, and they're in field goal range. And Jeremy Lin does a repetitive behavior for Rudders. He looks up, points up with three seconds left, and does three steps forward, one step back, kicks, goes through the upright. All the way home, all little Anthony can say is, I want to play football, I want to play football. And his dad says, what well, football, it's a contact sport, you could get injured, but he's not deterred. Anthony's junior year of high school, he makes the football team. They have a losing record. Anthony's senior year, he makes the football team again, and they have a losing record. Now in New Jersey, you're given one extra year of high school if you have a, autism. And Anthony comes to his dad with his famous saying, I want to play football, I want to play football. Now the New Jersey High School Athletic Association tells Anthony's parents, we won't let Anthony compete. He's past the age limit. Anthony's dad calls Gary. And Gary says this, let me look on the records to see if there's any president-setting case for your son to compete. And then he finds it. Sanderson versus the MHSAA, 1995 in Michigan. And he says, I'll take your case. He wins the case, and God's doing something in the background. God brings a star running back. God brings a great offensive line, a great defensive line. Thank God God didn't bring Wayne Fonts, because this wouldn't be a good ending. And Anthony finds himself using his repetitive behavior. Three steps forward, one step back, kicks, goes three upright, and he wins the state finals. And autism really does this. Makes me different, not less. It also, tell me I can't so I can show you I can. And there's Armani Williams with some of his trophies for race car driving in the background. So a lot of times people think that we can't, but we really can if we're given the right opportunities. Currently in the U.S., as I mentioned, only 3% of people with autism are gainfully employed. But we have these great gifts, and if we can refine those gifts and by God's grace be able to use those gifts, we can transform the world. And there's the most famous person in the world with autism, Temple Grandin. She looks like she just saw the burning bush. Autism makes me different, not less. And that's how it's been for me. There's no good thing that's withheld because I have God on my side. If God be for us, who can be against us? And I'll never forget Charisma House. They had me do an article for their magazine. And I get a call from their, their editor. And he said, are you sure that Temple gave you that permission to use her picture? And I said, yeah, why? Because it looks like you just snapped the shot. And I sent them five other pictures. And every one, she looks exactly the same. <laughs> I, can, I said, one thing you can say, she's not a beauty queen like Rachel Barcelona, but she's consistent, and that's important. So this is what she said when she met Prairie Pup. I would shoot that prairie dog. I work with cattle. He'd break their legs. Now that honey badger, he's a bad, I won't fill in the blank. That guy I don't think I could train. 
So autism makes us different, but not less. So we don't want to stereotype people with autism. There's a saying, you met one person with autism, you met one person with autism. We're very different. In fact, um, there's no kid who's totally autistic. There's no kid who's not at all autistic. Even God has his autistic moments. That's why the planet spin, baby. <laughs> so here's some common stereotypes. How society sees us as an Einstein. Only 10% of people with autism are savant ability. How our neurotypical friends see us. Shelton from Big Bane, we're kind of just out there. We're kind of um, different. How our parents see us. Remember Anthony's parents, everyone's having fun. There's a little Anthony lost in the outfield. How society or the media sees us. Social interaction, not very fascinating like a Spock. Everything we do is logical. And how we see ourselves. I miss my planet. Remember when I showed you my book where I wrote the name backwards? The actual title of that book is No Man's Valley. And it's a book about endangered species. When I was diagnosed with autism, I could relate with that condor because he was the only one of his kind. And I felt like being only one of 10,000 children with autism, I felt like I was my own species kind of. But how we really are. There's a good doctor from um, that TV show, chefs, professionals, parents. So with the right support, with the right um, accommodations, we can accomplish many great things. And I love this quote I came up with. Any fool can see an apple on a tree, but it takes vision and dedication to see an orchard in that apple seed. When you meet people, not only people with autism, but people with Down syndrome, people with other disabilities, don't look at the from the natural eye, but see it from God's standpoint. I plant polished waters, but God makes it grow. And God's working around us, and we need to join his work. See people with disabilities, we need to show love, acceptance, encouragement, and be able to help them reach their full potential with the grace of God. And let's just, there's my dog, Rudy. He's the first emotional support pet who's um, Pomeranian mixed with, I think, Jack Russell. And he needs more support than his autistic owner. <laughs> and we'll end in prayer. God, we lift up to you our lives. Let us see people through the eyes of Jesus. When we see people through the eyes of Jesus, our ministries will be effective. We will see them with love and compassion. And God, every one of us at times is unlovable. And by loving the unlovable, God, you have made us lovable. So let us remember your grace. Let us remember your love. And let us show that grace, that love and compassion those around us. And let us bear fruit 30, 60, or even 100 times what is sown. In Jesus' name, we praise you and love you. Amen. Thanks so much for having me come speak. And get copies of the book. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ryan. Thank you, brother.